everybody, and welcome back to Liquid Sound, a show dedicated to music, songwriting, and the creative process. I'm your host, Gino Bran, and we're brought to you in cooperation with the Liquid Arts Network, connecting artists and communities since 2000. Today, I'm very happy to welcome to the show singer-songwriter, audio engineer, and producer, Mike Levesque. Mike is a longtime friend who has recorded dozens of artists, including yours truly. Along with my own album, Annapurna, he also recorded the intro music that you're hearing right now, as well as the song played during the outro of our show. And in his own right, Mike has recorded three albums under the moniker La Classe Obrera. So he joined me in the studio to listen to a song from each of those three albums and chat about why you should always trust strangers from the internet, especially the Swedish ones, lessons from water, what goes into a great recording, and lots more. And we finished up the episode with a live studio performance of one of his unreleased songs. The first of his tracks we listened to is called Watch Them Fall. Wow. 
Watch Them Fall by Mike Levesque. Mike, welcome. Hey, nice hey. to be here. Good to, good to have you, man. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that song? That song's from 2006. Yeah, it's actually probably closer to like 2001 or two. Wow. And it's origin. But I guess the process of recording it started around 2005. And I got together with uh, some friends that were into working on some, some original music. Um, Patrick Carl and a guy named David Miller. And uh, we would get together once a week and we would just practice and practice and learn new tunes. Yeah, and that was that was one of them. At the end of the year, we ended up having uh, an album. We had an album recorded. I had uh, some very basic uh, recording gear and had a computer mm-hmm. and a DAW. And I had a lot of online forum time. So just like, how do you do this? How mm. do you do that? I ended up posting one of the songs on this like online audio geek forum, you know, kind of listening bar. And uh, this one crazy, somewhat crazy Swedish fellow really dug the song for some reason. And him and I got in communication with that. And I started kind of sending him other clips of other songs and getting feedback. And he kind of became my online mentor in some regard. So when it came time to finish up the project, I was like, well, what's the next step? Like, I should get it mixed, right? Like, and at the time, there were all these online options, you could just kind of blindly, you know, send it off and Mm -hmm. spend like 500 bucks and someone (laughs) send you back, you know, you get like a limited number of feedback sessions, and then that's it. It's mixed, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was I was communicating that to uh, this this Swedish friend by now of mine, uh, and he's like, you know, for that same price, I'm not going to do his accent, but for that same price, come here, I'll mix it with you, and then you'll actually learn about the process, and and also get the mixing done. Okay, so <laughs> so I did so I. Keep in mind, I'd never met this guy. Yeah. I had never, you know, this was quite a while ago. I'd never even seen him. Like, yeah. I'd seen pictures that may or may not have been him. Right. <laughs> so uh, it, it happened pretty fast. I got, got tickets. I, you know, I had a period of time. It was between semesters and my job at the time. So I was, I think, above Siberia when it occurred to me, like, oh, man. <laughs> like this might be really bad yeah. you know like yeah but it, it wasn't I'm here I am and uh that ended up being a fantastic ex- experience ended up in this little town called Holstehammer about a, an hour and a half north of Stockholm and this this guy just continued to take me under his wing and every step of the way every song everything he was doing on the board and in the computer and he just showed it to me and it's actually where I decided I I wanted to dig deeper into that side of things as well Mm -hmm. and the week was spent just working too Uh, to his credit as well because not only did he play host but like he was he was grinding you know Mm -hmm. like he was he was working and then I so I had a mixed album and I, I came back here to Busan 
And so I had it mastered and I decided, well, what's the next step? I should get like 500 CDs printed up, you know, because mm-hmm. everyone's going to buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I did and ended up with like boxes and boxes. <laughs> like I had no idea. I think I, I still have a few at my mom's mm-hmm. house in, in Canada. But anyways, it was, it was cool. Got the, the whole package in that experience. And, yeah. What do you think that the Swedish guy, what do you think his motivation was? Well, he, his explanation was that he, he heard something, something in the songwriting or mm-hmm. something, because it, it wasn't like a heavily produced track with all the, you know, it, it wasn't that. It, maybe something about the, he detected a sincerity in it, you know, of, mm. yeah. And and then with our correspondence, I think he, he kind of got that from me, that I I just wanted to be able to put out my, my songs. You know, I started writing songs a long time before that. So I, I had, you know, a couple albums in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, I always like to ask people some of their earliest songwriting memories. Do you remember some of your early songwriting ventures? Oh, sure. Sure. When I was in my final year of high school, I ended up taking that in the Yukon up in Whitehorse in Canada. And I joined this program called the MAD program as music, arts, and drama. And it was taught separate from the high school. It was at the art center there. And it was amazing. It was a great experience. But part of it is we made our own uh, curriculum and our own um, set of goals that if we accomplished them within reason, we would get credits. And one of mine was, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. Um, <laughs> I didn't have a teacher. I didn't, like, it was self-learning, right? So, and, you know, I had a... I had a book. I bought a, an old acoustic guitar and a soft shell case and I'd pack it to the art center every day. And, and I also made my own schedule. So I, I had scheduled a few blocks every day for just sitting down and playing. And my, my kind of earliest songwriting memories are, are from that time just because I get so frustrated with the linear aspect of the, the book. And once I had a few chords under my belt it's like i'm just gonna write a simple song that i could kind of play over and over and get the timing and singing down and you know just kind of go with that Mm -hmm. and yeah so (laughs) it was to get out of learning (laughs) that's that's my earliest uh songwriting memory is or or just change the learning trick yourself into into figuring it out yeah do you think that these days when you're writing songs, do you feel like it's coming from a similar place? I, I think it's coming from a similar place, but I think that I've developed kind of a, a songwriting vocabulary mm. where I could give some depth maybe to to past explorations that I've I've had lyrically. Yeah. Just experience of life. Yeah, experience like of life, but but also experience uh, w- within music too. Mm. And yeah, okay, yeah. I I want to be able to write songs that that I feel, you know, you know, like mm. and so drawing from an existing and expanding vocabulary. That's 
that's nice to to have like kind of building a discography but in terms of just building blocks of of being able to challenge myself maybe yeah how do you deal with creative blocks like writer's block or do you ever feel like you have that oh i have that um i just just take a break yeah just, yeah just put down the guitar do something else i know you studied sometimes for years <laughs> <laughs> i know you studied art right yes how is like painting and writing songs what connection do you feel in those two things I mean, they're, they're their own exploration. They're, they're their own kind of creative outlet for me. But maybe the kindred kind of connection for me is that it's about learning when to say something's finished. I think that's that's probably the, the most common ground that painting and songwriting have for me. Uh, because my, my style of painting, I could paint the same painting, the same canvas for years. Yeah. And sometimes I do, uh, but being able to say, "Okay, this is finished," and same with songs, I, I can really like delay finishing a song and changing and reworking and revisiting uh, over time. But I find that that kind of satisfaction of being able to to bookend it, to, mm -hmm. to be able to say, "Like, okay, that, that's done. Let's just let's feel good about what it is," you know? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to think. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. I, yeah. Well, I'd like to listen to another song from another album you did called Four Over. Yeah. And the song is called Electric Glow. What can you say about this song in terms of introduction? Uh, this was uh, just another exploration of, of trying to get a little deeper into incorporating other instruments in, in the recording process. And also trying to get like a different feel to it, like mm -hmm. a sense of, of groove. In this project, we actually recorded drums. And so it has more of a full band sound. It's not quite as folksy as the first album. And did you record this with your Swedish friends as well? Yeah, actually, the very next summer, I, mm -hmm. I went there in the winter and mixed the, the first album. And then I went back that summer and we tracked uh, the beginnings of this second album. Love. If it's time we wish to 
Lessons from water. Yes. What are the lessons from water? Well, I think there's a lot to learn from water, really. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of an endless list. <laughs> on that on that song, we, we talk about uh, as it gathers clean, mm-hmm. you know, it goes through all the rigmarole, making its way down the mountain. Mm-hmm. Always following the path of least resistance. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Which is, you know, there's still resistance, even if it's the least. Yeah. Right. So it's not. It's not always easy, but it mm-hmm. gets down, and it's cleaner once it gets down. You know. I suppose that's one of the the lessons. So while you were recording this album, for over, you took some time to do a a course in uh, music recording, music production. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. I guess if you could kind of sum up a little bit about what you learned in that course. I learned about some of the technical details yeah. that, that were unclear to me up to that point. But I also learned that you can actually learn a lot just doing it yourself. And because I was actually typically at that time, and probably still, a lot of my fellow students were fresh out of high school. Mm-hmm. And I was was not i was in my early 30s so i i looked like a uh, professor in the hallways and that and i'd get these young kids asking me like oh sorry uh, sir where is the and i tell them <laughs> you know but i actually i i gained the respect of uh, a lot of the instructors at that that school and who actually became my friends i'm still in contact with uh 
with now uh, because they were actually of a similar uh, age group generation as myself. And they also respected the work that I'd already started to undertake on my own. Yeah. The year up to that was a very, uh, it was a curve that, that I stayed on. So by the end of it, I, I definitely had some confidence on the process of recording music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What really makes a, in your eyes, what really makes a good recording? Because the recording process, it's, it can be very intimidating. And yep, yep. yeah, what goes into like a great recording for you? First of all, to comment on, on the recording process being intimidating, mm-hmm. that's probably what put me on the path to just doing it myself yeah. initially. Uh, because I had been in a couple of studios uh, previous to that, and I just didn't. It, it it intimidated me. It made me very aware of my non-theoretical musical background, if that makes sense. So mm. I wanted to separate myself from that and still be able to do the recording and still be able to get a uh, respected product out of it. So, yeah. A good recording to me, that sincerity um, that I spoke of maybe that that my buddy kind of heard and my basically like cassette recording of, you know, like that kind of thing, that needs to stay in the recording, in the finished product. So, I mean, no matter how Nashville you get with it, there has to be a bloodline so that also as an artist, I, I feel... If you're going to play those songs into the future and you're going to play them in a performance environment, that there's something for you to to get behind, that there's some, some emotional place in that song that, that keeps it real for you. And, and that becomes what you're actually sharing with your audience. So if you can capture that uh, in a recording, if you can, if that comes through, Whatever it is in like tonal balance and the way it unrolls over time or comes in with a smash or whatever it is, you know, it's an art form into itself for sure. So as long as is that recognition of its its own art is valued and that sincerity remains, mm-hmm. that's that's for me what what I like to mm-hmm. listen to. Well, it's also interesting because there's the performance aspect, and then there's like you know, all the mixing that comes after that and all the the tweaking and then to keep the original vision contiguous throughout the whole process, I think is a bit of a challenge in itself, right? Definitely can be. I mean, one of the experiences I had when I was studying audio engineering, we had a a guest come in and give a a presentation. And he he was a, a producer of some reputation in Canada, uh, at that time, at one point he told us he was working with this band and at, at the end of the, the day, they weren't very good and he would spend hours recording with them. They would leave and then he would just play the parts himself <laughs> and that they didn't know any the wiser. They just thought, wow, he's a really good engineer. He's a really good producer. Mm-hmm. Like it was almost like he was talking to us as like letting us into this kind of pr- production secret, but it really kind of turned me off. I was just like, I don't know how I feel about that, mm-hmm. you know. Like, 
is that the kind of perfection that? But some people are pleased by it. That the territory is is thick with the, those kind of potential outcomes. I think of just having jingles that are that are really catchy and you know mm-hmm. that's really never been the kind of music I paid much attention to personally.、Mm-hmm. So earlier you said like it doesn't matter how Nashville you get with it. What what do you mean by that? Oh, just as like a, the Nashville sound has a reputation for for that. Highly tuned level of production. Okay. Yeah. Not to say it's a bad thing at all. It's.、Mm-hmm. I mean that some of our our best recorded works have have come from that kind of environment for yeah. sure. Yeah. But I I think there is a risk、uh, where that can become over focused, perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. And and kind of squash a bit of the soul out of something. You、yeah. can only polish a turd so much.、Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But or in the case of、uh, my producer friend, you just throw out the turd and you, you <laughs> give him something good. <laughs> I know you've worked with a lot of people. How do you get like the best performance that you can out of people? Well,、um, see, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily play a role in、mm, that or、okay. not. Like, I, I think mostly I just try to. It's not even a concerted effort on my part, but just let people be at ease by kind of focusing on my side of stuff,、mm-hmm. and and not getting too involved in their their art. Because I,、yeah. as an artist myself, I I respect that that's got to come out as it does. So yeah, so I think I, I think that's part of it. Also, I mean, it helps a lot. Like I, I've done all my productions. Like in my house or、yeah. at music venues that we're familiar with, and are you know, so there's that aspect of it too. It、mm-hmm. it it doesn't have like the kind of new kind of studio, like where is this place kind of vibe. You know, often people I work with have been to my house other than just to record music. So yeah. It's always nice to be able to just sit on a beanbag and <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listen to the playback. Yeah. If you could give people advice who are interested in starting their own home recordings, ah,、uh, just do it and、yeah. start somewhere.、Mm-hmm. You know, like these days, it's so accessible. Yeah, you don't have to spend a lot of money, and that would be my advice too: is don't like keep it keep it simple. See if it's your thing. Because if it's not, chances are you you might have a friend or a connection that it is their thing, and you know you could maybe work with someone else in that way.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, has a lot changed in I guess in all the the years that you have been recording, has a lot changed in that in that game. I I would say so. It、yeah. it seemed a, a little bit more more of a steeper kind of. Access point in terms to be able to actually just have the the proper or respected equipment to do it. So, I already referenced like that kind of audio geek forum back in the day.、Mm-hmm. That I mean, a lot of those threads are just picking apart.、Um, oh, I could hear you used a dynamic microphone, and was that like a this and that? Like a a lot. There's a lot of territory that can just kind of again get buried into the、uh, the value or 
or industry value put on certain kinds of equipment and brand names and stuff like that. Whereas these days, you could get yourself a little recording set up with your phone, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's it's pretty incredible in that way. I remember back long time ago, like in high school, uh, like when the mini disc, remember mini disc players? <laughs> I mean, that, that was... Uh, kind of a coveted little device for being able to get digital recordings just in the hands of, you know, kind of average people back then, you know, without having to have like a DAT machine and all the all the kind of crappy stuff that they used back in the yeah. late 80s, early 90s or whatever. But yeah, that came out as kind of like, whoa, but it was still like a thousand bucks for a decent, <laughs> uh, and where are the mini disc players now? <laughs> I still have like... A little case of mini discs. Do you? Oh, yeah. yeah. No player, though. <laughs> yeah. um, well, let's give a listen to one more song here. This song is Cool and Mellow. Yes. And it's from, I guess, your most recent release. Yeah, don't say when. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is your most recent release, Morning Calm. And I like this, that you have, I think, Youngmi's on this, right? Your wife gets yes, to, yeah. gets a bit of vocal work on this yeah that was cool how yeah, was that too some, it was a lot of fun yeah and and she really enjoyed that you know because it was it was something i was spending a lot of my time doing at that time mm-hmm. um for myself and and of course other other bands and projects and stuff so yeah she really enjoyed it a lot the headphone land vibe you know she mm-hmm. she dug that you are doing some vocals on this tune as well am i actually yeah okay listen for it okay listen for it <laughs> And uh, you do the guitar solo. I do. Oh, okay. It's yeah. <laughs> funny how we yes, you do. Forgot such things. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's give it a listen. All right. You are the sunshine in the daylight of my dreams, showing me forever with the moment in your arms. You are the smile that lights a candle in the dark, sharing of your fire when I only need a spark.
dreams Showing me forever Sharing moments in between Is it ever weird for you to listen back to old recordings that you've done in the in the past? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, uh, it can be. But I've I've detached myself from that enough. Um, there, when I was in high school, and I remember being in a drama class, and we had like some kind of like play night or some kind of drama event, and I remember that I was studying um, a play by Arthur Miller called Craps Tapes. Um, and it's about like this guy who uh, well, it's about a lot of stuff, but the the premise is that he finds these recordings that he did of his own kind of musings and ramblings as an old man. You know, he comes upon these old recordings and he starts listening to them, and and they just kind of drive him crazy because he can't go back and like they're done. And I, I remember being young and just reading that and just like there's this kind of detachment from that. But over the years, especially as as I kind of print myself into this, you know, kind of captured thing that I could visit over the years, like I, I remember thinking to myself then, I never want to be crap <laughs> with a K, uh, like the, the character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just I don't want to be poo either, but like I don't want to be that dude. Yeah, you just want it to be in the past. No, I want to be able to just appreciate it for what it is. And I like that things have a story to them. Mm -hmm. So, like, even talking with you now and thinking about those times and stuff, like, it's it's the journey for me that comes out when I listen to that. So, uh, even, like, Watch Them Fall, that was the first time I did, like, kind of a big uh, vocal recording. So, I had, like, a group of – at the end of the song, you could hear, you know, lots of people singing. And it was just, like, one microphone in the room. And as you know and as you've been a part of over the years, like, I love that, yeah. you know, that vibe and stuff. So – and that's captured in that song, mm -hmm. and that's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you know, whatever else, if it's like, ah, oh, I should have, should have done this, or more, more cowbell, or less hi hat, or whatever, right? <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you just, don't really remember that as much as you remember just being in that the room time, with your friends. The time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. and the you know, flying over Siberia and thinking <laughs> I might be like going to get murdered. That's that's kind of cool too, because I didn't get murdered. <laughs> I know that, you know, your music is pretty well produced. Do you ever feel when you want to do that in a live setting? Is it is it tough to recreate that? Like, is that... Yeah, I, I mean, it can be, mm -hmm. for sure. But at the same time, my recordings aren't chopped up and sampled. And I mean, most of my uh, acoustic work and, and this kind of production... They are actual takes uh, that, are, that are making the foundation of the song. And then there's a bit of trickery that goes into, you know, the production side of it. But, but they are actually easy to, if you get the right people together to be able to perform and get the spirit of the song, which I think has happened over the years. Um, but again, like I, I don't really perform out. Maybe that's one of the reasons because I, I do, when I've had an opportunity to play with uh, musicians that, that I respect and, and I know that will contribute to the song in a way that's true to the song, th then I'll, I'll take that opportunity to, to play. 
Um, or of course, just sit with my guitar and, and play through some of the songs too. That's, that's where all of those songs uh, from that period came from. You know, it was me sitting down with an acoustic guitar and coming up with a, a tune, you know. So I, I still, to this day, I, I enjoy playing many of those songs. Some of those songs I, I would have to learn again, but I'm sure I could learn to enjoy them yeah. Uh, too, yeah. But yeah, as far as re recreating the exact kind of representation of what was recorded, that's not necessary for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, of potential in, in those kind of songs, you know, and and I've been pleasantly surprised, oftentimes playing with with talented people such as yourself, um, where it's like, wow, this is you know, it's kind of given the song some some new life for me, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we should play a song. What do you think? You I'm down. Do okay, I'm keen. you sure. got a new one out, right, or a new one that you've been working on called "Here Instead." Yes. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this song? Uh, th this song is, for me, it, it was coming from a place to try to just kind of kickstart the process of getting into writing songs again. Mm -hmm. So I was really easy on myself in terms of expectation. I, I just, I wanted to to come up with a melody that was comfortable. And like I, I referred to before, that, that I felt you know that mm -hmm. that I could sing and I could I could put some emotion um, to, but not really put the pressure on in terms of like okay what's the what's the bridge where's the you know the pizzazz or the I I didn't want that mm -hmm. you know but I I did want a little bit of a rhythm to it you okay. know like I did want so with the chorus I decided to kind of make it a little bit little bit different a little reggae little reggae yeah. little little. We'll touch yeah. a reggae. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, let's get set up and let's let's do it. Cheers. Thank you, Gino. Thank you, man. Yeah, that was great. One little mistake Isn't bad enough to ruin your day Make you regret the things you thought you might say One little mistake Doesn't have to have you scratching your head I make you feel like you'd rather be dead I'd rather you were here instead Maybe you should get a new hobby Maybe you should make your bed Maybe you should drink some more coffee Maybe you should be here instead Doesn't have to be a rainy day 
Unless of course we'd rather be home to stay One tiny escape Not forever just to get away Really hear what you were trying to say We all could use a holiday Maybe you should get a new puppy Maybe you should clean up your room Maybe you could act in a movie Maybe you should pick up and move One little mistake Doesn't have to get in All the things you knew you'd have to say One thought remains And it's a thought that should remain the same If you're feeling that you'd rather be dead Rather you were here instead Rather you were here instead I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Liquid Sound. We'd like to give a huge thanks to Mike Levesque for coming to the studio and sharing his music with us. If you'd like to hear more of his music, you can find him at soundcloud.com slash and on Bandcamp at laclasseobrera.bandcamp.com. And as always, we will have those links in the description notes of this episode. For upcoming info about the Liquid Arts Network, you can find us at liquidartsnetwork.com. If you or someone you know would like your music featured on our show, send an email to liquidsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to the Liquid Sound Podcast, share the show with your friends, and if you haven't yet, take a moment to give us a review and a five-star rating. It really does help listeners find the show. On behalf of everyone at the Liquid Arts Network team, we thank you so very much for listening today. And until next time... Support independent music 
support your local arts community, and support each other. And we will see you down the line. Jen, take it away. But I think I'll read more. He's pretty in light and yeah. Yeah, yeah. From there the conversation took off.